if you're tired of the standard business and marketing fundamentals, frameworks, and funnels, <laughs> you need a little mischief. Get ready to turn up the volume on the CEO Mischief Maker podcast, where you access conversations with seasoned business owners who have smashed through mindset barriers, innovated the standard boring business and marketing playbooks, and executed future-paced strategies with bleeding-edge tools and tactics to micro-fail their way into massive success and growth. We are Mindset Impact Strategic Catalysts, helping innovative entrepreneurs focus. We are CEO Mischief Makers. Ready to make a little mischief? Hey, 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 CEO Mischief Makers. Welcome to the conversation. Fellow Italian, opposite side of the country, I get to introduce you to Mr. Vin Infante. Vin, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I am fan-stinking-tastic. I got to wake up today and I get to talk to interesting people like you doing extraordinary things. So let's dive into the extraordinary things you're doing. Kind of share a little bit with us, just kind of who you are and what you do. Sure. So I am a mindset coach. And what I do is I've created a bit of a hybrid where I have a background in psychotherapy. And I was in mental health for about, well, coming up on 13 years now, been in mental health. And so I've taken three different modalities and I've combined them into one really powerful transformational service where I help people unlock their inner leader, master their mindset and become their best selves through the hybrid, as I mentioned, of therapy, aspects of therapy, mentoring and life coaching. So I have a feeling we're going to have a really good conversation because you're you're hitting so all much. the buttons, right? I don't, oh, yeah. Okay, so everyone, everyone listening, you need to hear this. And if you don't know this already, you haven't been listening to this show for very long because every single thing that's going to lead you to success, it's not a tool that you need to use. It's a mindset that you need to unlock in order to allow you to use that tool effectively. I believe that wholeheartedly. And obviously, Vin is going to help us through that process. So going back to that, I know you and I met recently at an event in Nashville, and our shared mentor, Nick Cavuto, was there. And he kind of shared a little bit about, or you shared a little bit about this breakthrough and this three-pronged approach. Tell me, what was one of the initial mindset shifts that you had to make in order to go from mental health and therapy to life coaching and using those tools and bringing that tool belt with you in this new world of life coaching? What was that mindset shift that led to that? So interestingly, I'll, I'll preface it with this. I've gone through a lot of my own personal stuff, which I believe everyone has their own personal stuff. I think the thing that makes people in the self-help profession a little bit different is that we've gone through it. And then we want to help other people get through it, right? Because everybody has their stuff and then they get through it and they're like, I'm good. I don't want to deal with that anymore. <laughs> and then us, we're like, okay, I went through it. That sucked. Nobody else is going to have to go through it because I got them. And so that was a big part of me kind of learning more about self-mastery. One of the biggest transitions that I made though was actually, and this was kind of left out because it wasn't relevant at the time, but I went from being a psychotherapist to being a firefighter and launching my business. So it was actually three, I like to make a little joke. I've had three careers in three years. 
And so uh, I had essentially went from this dude who's just sitting there like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, to this guy that's now running into burning buildings and dealing with, you know, unfortunately, people who are dying during COVID. I was a firefighter. And so we had a lot of EMS calls and all that stuff. I believe that the fire department was actually really paramount to my success in entrepreneurship and my success of becoming a mindset coach because the fire department is run like a paramilitary organization. I was part of the FDNY, which is the most bravest and in-your-face fire department in the world. Literally, the world comes to study the FDNY's tactics of putting out fires. We're the most aggressive. We go into the seat of the fire as opposed to sitting outside and trying to be defensive. So people are like, damn, what do these crazy guys do? <laughs> this training, however, is very rigorous. It's very tough. They have it military style. You're up every day at about 3 to 4 a.m. You're on, on lines and formations at about 5 a.m. You're getting yelled at by drill instructors. You're burning 5,000 calories a day from physical activity. And then you have to study every night. And so it's just a lot. And it really breaks you down mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, like everything. It destroys every shred of you so that you could build yourself back up stronger. And I believe that this taught me a lot of leadership. One of the biggest things, and, and I preface all of this because I think this is important, right? Because one of the biggest things that I've noticed as a difference between a therapeutic approach and a coaching approach is the way you deal with clients. Now, my first ever client that was running a business, I loved working with her and she fired me because I sucked. <laughs> and <laughs> there's some honesty for I, you <laughs> there's some great honesty listen everyone yeah. i've improved don't worry now you can work with me and i'll help you but <laughs> i i realized this because here's the thing i came in and i said all right i'm doing life coaching i'm gonna work with business owners and entrepreneurs are so fascinating the mindset to be an entrepreneur is is not even a night and day difference. It's like a galaxy difference. Like we're in the Milky Way for nine to five, and then you're some other freaking galaxy for an entrepreneur. And I didn't really know that coming in. I was like, oh, you know, when I was a therapist, I had this little arrogance. I was like, I'm better than a life coach. Like, what do they know? I have six years of school, my master's, my license. I'm, I'm real. What do these guys got? $20 certification? Okay. And so I was like, I could do this. And so when I stepped into my life coaching business and I just started learning, I got my life coaching cert under Tony Robbins training program. And I just started learning about life coaching and I still had like this therapeutic approach to it, which was really doesn't work for high performers mm -hmm. because the therapeutic approach is like, you're going to push back. You might get even defensive at some of the things I say. And a lot of therapists kind of withdraw at that point because we, we're afraid to like push the client too far or too hard. And, you know, a lot of clients want to come and invent. They don't, they don't really want the solutions. And so it's so difficult to navigate as a therapist. And a lot of therapists, because they don't know how to navigate, just kind of like chill back, take a back seat. And so for me, I kind of did that with my first ever entrepreneur client. She was, she was a real estate, she ran a real estate company. She's a CEO at it. They were doing great. They had a lot of stuff, but she was, she was aggressive and like in the greatest way, right? That's why she was so successful. Yes. But when she would get aggressive with me and not terrible, but just like, I'd be like, oh, you should try this. And she'd be like, you're wrong. I know myself. And I'd just be like, okay, okay. If that's how you feel. And right. See, like you just made a face. I don't know if this is all yeah. on video, but she made a face because yeah. she knows that's ridiculous to do. But that's, that was the therapeutic approach. Right. Yeah. And so. Yeah. 
it wound up being that I was still holding on to this therapeutic approach when trying to work with these high performing clients. And she wound up firing me, right? Like eventually towards the end of the package, I remember I came in one day for session. I'll never forget this. Cause I was like, I didn't even know how to respond to this one. I came in one day to her office and she's like in a tizzy. There's so many things going on. She just looks at me and she's like, Oh, we have session today. I'm like, yeah. She goes, I should have just canceled. I don't even know why you're here. You can't help me. And I was just like, oh, oh my God. Nice. <laughs> I was like, oh man. I was like, well, I could try. <laughs> wow. And so she, uh, suffice to say, towards the end of the package, I was like, you don't want to resign, do you? She's like, no, nah, I think it's best we don't. I was like, okay, fair. And so <laughs> I really took that to heart. And for about a week, I kind of beat myself up. I was like, damn, like I just lost my highest paying client. I just, I just failed. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe I'm a fake. Maybe I'm this, maybe I'm that. Right. And you go into the downward spiral. And then after a little bit of beat myself up, I was like, well, I didn't enjoy working with her. I just need to figure out like why it didn't work. And so I just got curious. I was like, okay, like what does a high performer need? What did she need that I really didn't give her? And I just started analyzing myself and my actions and being really honest about like, why did I fail? And because fail is a great acronym, right? It means first attempt in learning. And so I was like, okay, what, what did I need to learn right now? And I realized, okay, as a coach, your job is to help people uncover things about themselves, but high performers also want answers. And if they're pushing back on you, you need to push back on them. And so I had to get a little bit more aggressive, which was not common for me. And so when I started working with business owners again, and I got my next business owner client, they'd be like, Vin, you know, I don't know. And I'd be like, that's bullshit. You know it. And they were like, whoa. But they appreciated that because that's what they need because high performers don't have enough people calling them on their shit because the average person isn't a high performer. So a high performer is used to telling everyone, no, this is how it is. This is what I think. And too bad if you don't think so, because I'm in charge. So when you come in as a coach, it's like, whoa. Now you have to listen, calm down. I got the expertise here. And, and it's not to say like you put them in their place, but that's kind of what they want, right? Because they're, they're where they need help. They want the help, but there's nobody that's operating at a level higher than them around them. That's why they're bringing you in as the expert and the authority. So I think that was, I, I know this was probably a longer story than you had hoped for, oh but gosh. that was honestly the, the biggest thing that I had to learn was to be more aggressive and assertive as a coach. And really come in and be the authority. Like, don't be afraid that you're talking to someone who's making seven figures. Because chances are, if you're a coach, you're probably not making seven figures, which is fine, right? And then there's that whole aspect of, oh, well, if you didn't make seven figures, how could you coach me? Because it's not about that. Like, I don't make seven figures, but I have clients who make eight figures. I work with finance firms that are billion-dollar firms. Yeah. Like, what do I know about making a billion dollars? I don't know a damn thing about it. But I know a lot about people, right? Yes. Yes. And what it takes to be that high performer. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I have to unpack that a little bit because let's back up a little bit because there are many ways that that the people listening can experience that same mindset shift without having to go into the fire department of New York, right? (laughs) Really? That's what we're talking about, right? I'm not doing that. Nope. Sorry. I wouldn't. They first off, they wouldn't hire me. Secondly, I wouldn't even last 15 minutes, probably. So yeah, (laughs) not happening. So, but we need that same, that same stripping down and discipline and remaking. 
So what you just talked about was exactly what we all need to do. That's what mindset shifts are if we allow them to be there. Most of us, would you agree, and you have a vast amount of experience, way more than I do, but would you agree that most people get stuck in a particular mindset and it's too scary or difficult to step back and look logically like you did with that first client? Sure. Right? Well, people people are wildly illogical. So you, when you had that client and she fired you and instead of getting stuck there and saying, oh, it's her fault. She just didn't see my strengths or I don't want to look at those things. I'll just, I'll just go smaller and I'll just help only, you know, five figure and six figure people because uh, obviously there's something wrong with me and I can't relate or, you know, whatever, whatever we could tell ourselves. Cause that's all it is. It's a story we're telling ourselves as to why we might've failed if we're not actually looking at the details and actually looking dispassionately at what happened and how we can change ourselves to improve. That's all you did. You took the emotion out of it after you got over it, after you beat yourself up for a while, right? You said, all right, put that emotion aside. Now let's look logically at what I need to change. Cause it's just a matter of, I just need to change the way I'm looking at this and I will be successful. Just that statement most people can't do. So let me ask you this. Thank you for that story. It was absolutely brilliant and such an amazing example of really what it takes to shift your mindset to the extent that you can take a leap forward. So first off, you listened. You listened to what she said. You engaged in what she said about what it is you could do or couldn't do. You adapted your framework and your thinking to accommodate the change that you needed to make. And then you just persevere right? Mm. That's what I say as a leap. Listen, engage, adapt, and persevere. So let me ask you a question. I'll get off my soapbox because this is so, this just lights me up so much, as you can tell. Let me ask you a question. Aside from going into the fire department, okay, to do that, because not all of us are going to do that. Are there other little ways that we can expose ourselves to different extremes. And I'm thinking there's lots of stuff on the internet now of like ice baths and hot therapy and, you know, different types of adaptive tools. Do you think those are valuable for people and can they help strip that down and and remake? Sure. I mean, here, here's the biggest thing. I got another story for you. I'm for <laughs> Yeah, let's go. <laughs> too many of them. I'm a speaker at heart. I also do speaking. Oh, so you guys, you guys so are going to get a, you're going to get an abridged version of my keynote. Okay. So My keynote is about turning pain into power and becoming the hero of your own story. My life, I've gotten bullied. I had some issues at home. Home life was good until, you know, some things started happening, which I don't, I don't really get into because no need. And through all of that, I was diagnosed with depression, anxiety, panic disorder, and I was highly suicidal. Never attempted it, but I would do the cutting thing and you know, I had plans and all that good stuff. So I probably got as close to suicide as you could get without actually doing it. And I was diagnosed with all this. My therapist wanted to send me to, uh, what do you call it, get a medication. I, you know, told him very plain, are we allowed to curse here? Should I, can I go curse? for it, man? Yes. Yeah. No, I told him to go fuck himself. I was like, I'm not taking medication. I don't believe in it. And I never did. And so I had gone through so much pain. I was actually having mental breakdowns about once a month. And I would have to call my therapist anytime I needed to make a decision because my panic attacks were so bad. 
And it's actually very interesting if you can't see it, but on that diploma right there, that's my master degree. And it says the name Vincenzo on it. And if you could see from the recording here, my name is Vincent. Now it says Vincenzo because as I was trying to come out of that depression and all that pain I was experiencing and the anger and all the good stuff, you know, I decided, hey, maybe if I change my name and create a new identity, life will be different. And surprisingly, it was not. Now, (laughs) it was externally. I was cooler. I started making friends, which I had none of. I got my first girlfriend, which I never had before. And people were curious about me and I was getting popular and then I would go out drinking and I would do all the cool stuff. But I was still such a mess internally, right? And everything would set me off because I had so much anger and so much sadness and there's that cycle. So you get really angry and you blow up on people and then you get really depressed, like what's wrong with me? So I did that for a few years. And (laughs) at 23, I call this my moment in the mirror. At 23 years old, I finally graduated. I was the youngest in my class. I had my master's degree. I was a fully licensed psychotherapist. I had money in the bank because I was working. And my parents, you know, my, my mom graciously gifted me some money for my graduation. And so I, I was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to just start figuring out what makes me happy. And I still couldn't do it. I got a Camaro. I started getting tattoos. I had a Camaro SS. <laughs> With a freaking Corvette engine. I had 465 horsepower with a performance exhaust. It was my oh beauty. My Loved it. Oh my gosh. Was okay, my I got to compare. Wait a minute. I, you got to compare it to my 1968 Mustang convertible, glass packs, 389. I mean, yeah, we can go. Let's go. <laughs> Keep going. Sorry to interrupt. I just had to put a car thing in there. I it's love okay. that. <laughs> <laughs> that was my beauty. I'm a muscle car guy. And so I love that car. I started getting tattoos. I started, you know, I was already working out. I was cool. Like I was a personal trainer. I I had all these things going for me and I was seemingly so miserable. And so I call this my moment in the mirror because I will never forget. It was a summer day. I actually, I quit both of my jobs. I used to work at a hospital and as a personal trainer while I was going to college. Once I got out of college, I just quit my jobs and I took a little bit of time off because I was like such a mess internally. And my therapist never helped me. He's a nice guy, but he just wasn't helpful. And so I, I was in the bathroom the summer day and I'm like, just frustrated. I slam my, my hands on the, on the countertop and I'm just like, what, like, what is wrong? Why am I so angry? Why am I so depressed? Why am I like, why do I have all these panic attacks? Why am I so anxious? What, what's the damn issue? And I looked up and I looked at myself in the mirror. I still get chills telling this right now. I got, I got it down my back. And I looked in the mirror and I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, you're Vincent. And I haven't said my own name, like my real name in about seven years. Because I did that change when I was about 18. I wrote, I wrote Vincenzo on everything. My friends, my friends knew me as Vincenzo. Nobody knew me as Vincent. Everyone that I met from 18 on until 23 knew me as Vincenzo. And that time when I said my own name, that was a a wholehearted acceptance of everything in my life, which then dove into the next thing that I never even knew until eventually I would read a book many years later called Extreme Ownership. In that moment of acceptance, of accepting Vincent and embracing my name, I then embraced everything of my life. All the bullying was my fault. All the responses were my fault. I chose to be depressed. I chose to be the victim. I chose to choose anxiety. I chose to not make decisions, which caused my panic attacks, by the way. And as I started doing this, this this radical self-acceptance, this extreme ownership, everything started fading. 
the depression started going away. The anxiety started going away. I haven't had a panic attack since I was 22. Like I'm 31 now going, you know, be 32 next, but going on 10 years, I haven't had a panic attack. Right. Why? Like I cured myself is how I feel. And I know that it just came down to that self, that self mastery and unlocking. So that's why I came up with my low tech rate, right? It's unlock your inner leader and master your mindset because your inner leader is how you show up in life. It's knowing that leadership isn't a title. It's not a role. It's not, it's not a position. It's just, how do you show up? If you're a father, how do you show up as a father? If you're a wife, how do you show up as a wife? If you're an employee, how do you show up like that? And then being the best in those, not for other people, not for a promotion, not to be noticed, but because for you, because you feel good showing up as your best self in whatever role you're playing on that day in that moment. And then mastering your mindset is understanding the aspects of self-mastery. There's only five things we can master, right? You can only master your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions. Sorry, those are the same things, feelings and emotions. Your thoughts, your emotions, your language, your behaviors, and your actions, those five things. And if you work on finding at least one of those in any and every situation, you start being able to control life. Because though you can't always control what happens to you, you can control how you respond to it. So for me, it's been a constant journey since about 23 to 31 and still going, has been about self-mastery, has been about how do I be a better man, a better leader, a better person? How do I control everything that happens around me? Because I can, and I'm not God, but I can because I can control here. If for I don't know if this is video, I control my mind and my heart. <laughs> for anyone who can't see me pointing. And so this is this is what I really would recommend to people. Like you want to make the shifts, everything's your fault. You didn't land the client, they don't suck. You don't know how to sell them. You couldn't show the value. You don't know why your girlfriend or your husband's fighting with you. Probably something you're doing. Figure it out. Because you can only fix a problem that's yours to control. You can't change other people. You can't change the world. You can change your world and then the external will change because the external world is just a reflection of the internal, right? We don't live life. We observe it, but we're observing things based on our preconceived notions of life. So I think that answers your question, or I hope it does, about really what people could do without you know getting their ass beat in the fire department for five months. <laughs> I think that just built on my self-mastery and leadership, honestly, because Going through that, that was that was a very hard experience. And and it gave me the grit to endure the uncertainty and hardships of entrepreneurship. Cause I'm like, hey, I could survive a down month where I didn't make any money or get any clients because I've already been in a fire and I've done this other crap. So this is kind of easy to just sit here and be like, oh, I have no money. But <laughs> like, <laughs> that was a lot easier. <laughs> Okay, hold on. If your mindset was shifted, you were inspired to innovate, and you were spurred into action, don't just move on with your day. Focus, my friend, and take a few minutes to visit ceomischiefmaker.com to learn more about the value that was shared with you today. Please act now and create some CEO mischief of your own.